First Peter chapter two, first Peter chapter two, birth marks of the new birth, message number two. These two messages are very simple. Um, they're very uh, elementary, but they're very profound to us. And sometimes we need to share these messages because there's a lot of confusion in the church um, about the nature of salvation and what conversion is. And these messages are very, very illustrative. Um, you'll find a lot of illustrations that Peter is using to help us understand what salvation is. He used a lot of images to help us to understand. So as I bring out the, the, the second um, birthmarks of the new birth, message number two, I hope that you will pay close attention because I have been witnessing um, people in our church and maybe some of them don't understand what salvation is. And therefore, there's a reason for bringing these messages to move from Deuteronomy to more simple messages that it will be clear to you what this church stands for, what I stands for, and what the Bible stands for. And uh, just like how the, 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 the president of the country is to uphold the Constitution, the pastor is to uphold the Word of God. And so this is why I come back. He said, why are you to stop preaching? Somebody said, you, you're not going back to Deuteronomy? Well, let me say to you, my own business. <laughs> you know, you don't know, you don't have my mind, you don't have the Lord's mind, just mind your business. Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word and the last sentence that you may grow thereby. Now in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25, the, the first time we spoke, the apostles showed some birthmarks of those who are born again. I use the term because the Bible used the term. Those marks were inward. The one that is born again is given a new attitude of mind. You don't see a person's mind. Second, a believer is given an obedient will. You don't see a will. You just see it worked out. Third, the person who is born again will have a sincere love for the brethren. I explain that love is a love without wax. There are some of the many birth birthmarks of the new birth. A person is born again. And we ought to look at these things in our own lives. Now chapter 2 continues the same subject, showing the spiritual status of the one that is in a state of grace. Born again, converted. We do not, we do not remain infants. We grow in the word. The same word that gave life, new life, is the same word that produces holy living. Same word, nothing else. No conference, no program can produce these things. Many people who say they are believers today do not behave differently to those around them. 
those around them who are not believers. But what is more amazing is that many who say they are born again does not show the signs of conversion among their brethren in the church. Well, Curtis was talking this morning in a very practical way about how, how faith is profitable to others. And my faith is profitable. It's profitable to you because you can listen and hear me. But it should be even more profitable to you as you observe me and, and how I live at home. My doors are always open to anyone um, in, in a practical way. A lot of people don't show this in the church, that they are believers. That is very amazing. In chapter 1, Peter dealt mainly on that which is internal in the life of the one who is a Christian. This second chapter shows some things that are external. That which is internal will manifest itself externally in the community of God's people, or if you want to use it, the term, it's a biblical term, in the community of the saints. And by the way, that's the church. First Peter 2 verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. The word is what causes growth. Here the word, the words again only a little different, born again, as newborn babes. But first let me deal with this word quickly. The word babes in verse 2 is the Greek word brephos. It's a Greek word, and it is very important, this little word, babes. It's a word that is often used to describe those who are Christians, Charlie, born again. It's an image. It is not the same word Paul used in 1 Corinthians 3.1, as some of you men heard me discuss with you already. It's not the same word, 1 Corinthians 3.1, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. Different word, nepios. And this word, a lot of people get deceived and say, oh, these were Christians, but they were young Christians. No. It's a different word that is used to describe those who only have an elementary knowledge of the word of God and not necessarily saved. The word Peter used here is used in Luke 1, verse 41, where we are told, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The babe in this context is John the Baptist, who was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. He was a child of God from his mother's womb. Words in the Bible can sound alike, but they are not alike when you read the context. You should read the context. We will have people come in here saying things, and you shouldn't take off running with it 
unless you do your word, careful word study. Another place this word, briefos, is used in 2 Timothy 3.15, where Paul said that Timothy, from a child, briefos, same word, knew the scriptures that is able to make one wise unto salvation. And there's a lot of other places this word is used. It's translated children at times. Um, but this is the word Peter uses to describe believers as newborn briefos, babes, children, children of God. Children of God are born, but they do not remain in an incubator. Many so-called Christians need to be in intensive care here in this church where they are taken care of individually. Peter lists several realities that proves we are children of God and I want to give you, there are four, but I want to give you three of them this evening. First, we have a spiritual appetite Verses 1 through 3. It says, I'm in 2 Peter. Where did I get this from? Verses 1 through 3. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow up thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The sincere milk of the word is the scriptures. Those who are born of God has a spiritual appetite for the word of God. Natural infant children have an appetite for wholesome milk. Spiritual children has a natural appetite for the sincere milk of the word. The milk of the word doesn't necessarily mean the elementary principles, but it means the whole Bible. We have a spiritual appetite. Peter says that there are some negative things that will take away a person's spiritual appetite. And therefore, he said, we must lay aside all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and evil speakings. These things would balken, remember, you hear that word, would balken your appetite, will stifle one's appetite from growth. I can't grow if I have a daily habit of watching soap operas. It would balken my appetite. And these other things people like to watch. You hear me call the people names here sometimes. These women gurus that we like to watch. Whenever I go to Canada to, sit, to visit my uncle, I never went there yet and see the TV off. And Marcel and I, we are subjected to, in a day, to a TV much as big as this wall of who that guy named. Colin's friend, that black ball head guy, that Colin doesn't. Steve Harvey. 
you laugh because you know who I'm talking about. Well, let me tell you, if you're watching that spinning thing going around, you will lose your appetite quickly for the sincere milk of the word. What do I care about people winning $6,000 in a spin? You need to stop that. Getting into your business. Steve Harvey what? No wonder our lives are like that. He's used to kill joy. No, I'm not. They will balk in your appetite for the word of God. Stifle your growth. You want to know why there's little Christian growth in our church? Lack of spiritual appetite. A need to lay aside the negatives, the weights, as Hebrews say. Slow you down. We have questions regarding our personal relationship with the new birth. Ask yourself. Ask yourself. Do you have a spiritual appetite? For God's word. Or do you have itching ears? When one has itching ears, it means that they want to hear what they want to hear. And I'm not telling people don't watch television. But if you have a pattern, a dosage of Steve Harvey, you better check yourself. You better check yourself. No wonder all churches the way it is. Weak. Brethren, I'm sorry. I will not be able to accommodate these kind of people in the church. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that is trusting in him. When we say that a Christian has a new appetite, we are not inferring about our natural taste buds. We are inferring our spiritual taste buds, what, what we hunger for. We want to hear God's word as much of, as much of it as possible. We want to read it, put books back there on the shelf. Very few people pick a penny. There are many images in the scripture that makes this point. Psalm 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God, when I shall come and appear before God. The Psalms liken the thirst of a young deer in the wild to the spiritual appetite, the thirst of himself. When shall I come and appear before God? Where there is no spiritual appetite means there is no spiritual birth. This is how serious it is. So as you sit there and observe, look at these things. Something will be wrong with me if two days pass and I'm not able to listen or read the word of God. It's going to come a time, like our friend over in Montville, when the word of God has to be read to him. 
can't read it anymore. But thankfully, men go periodically and read the Bible to him. That's his appetite. We need to wake up in this church. We need to stop playing church. We need to put the world behind us. And that's why I use Steve Harvey. And everybody laugh. There's nothing to laugh at. Spark of repentance. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's talking about the Christian's appetite. For they shall be filled. Not with TV, with him. The Lord was speaking of the internal attitudes of the children of God. That's why they're called Beatitudes. And he was saying that the children of God have a spiritual appetite. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian is going to read his Bible 24-7. No, he does other things. Read other things. Watch other things. I like to watch Perry Mason. Most of the time, Perry Mason is watching me. But, you know, 8 o'clock at night, I might put him on and watch him for half an hour, 45 minutes. Or even when the honeymooners used to play, I used to laugh and then go to sleep. I'm not talking about that. Brother Tate is not a killjoy, Brother Presley. But what I'm saying, a dosage of those clowns skinning their mouths and giving out money, it's not the way to go. Oh, sorry, I'm calling. If you're going that way, and you're leading Doris that way, you're misleading her. You're not, you're not being a godly man. Think about it. The Bible uses a lot of images to describe the word of God to a Christian. Two of those words are in Psalm 19, 9-11. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired there than gold. And the apostle, the writer says, yeah, than much fine gold, we find gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. He uses gold, uses honey. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The word of God. And that's why people don't like it. It warns us. Not everyone in the congregation has this taste or this appetite for the word of God that they will compare it to honey and fine gold. When you find people who are under the word that are erratic and sporadic in attendance of worship and Bible study, it is because they have no spiritual appetite. I remember I used to drive 26 miles every Wednesday, every Sunday to the Manhattan Bible Church in 207th and 10th Avenue. Jackie, you remember that address? Every Wednesday, every Sunday. 
26 miles to go to church. My pastor was Thomas Harris. He taught me how to preach, how to preach in public meetings, how to preach on the streets. I know Thomas probably rejoicing now to hear that I'm here. But I had an appetite for the word of God. It's, it's not a mistake that when a man ends up in the ministry, there are certain prerequisites. And some men would not be any spiritual good because they don't have an appetite for the word of God. I don't think we eat regular meals like this. We have a taste for breakfast. We have a taste for lunch. We have a taste for a mid-afternoon snack. And a taste for dinner. Right, Marie? Yes. <laughs> Will you understand the illustration I'm giving? Yes. Thank you. We don't eat our regular meals that way. But the child of God has a spiritual appetite. And you need to look at this carefully to see where you stand. Second point, number two, we have a spiritual affiliation, verses four through six. There's a difference between affiliation and association. We can be in association with the church, but not be affiliated legally and spiritually connected to the church. We don't have that bond with the church. The apostle says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of man, but chosen of God and precious. Precious. The word precious means valuable. Jesus, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Christ is the living stone. He was disallowed by men. And the builders in view are those who were the custodians of the gospel. They're, they rejected him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Psalm 118, 12. The stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head, cornerstone. It is the Lord's doing. When a person becomes a child of God, a Christian, they are attached to Christ. They are living stones. We are no longer in association outwardly with the church, but we are connected spiritually to Christ. That's what he meant. You keep using the phrase, in Christ, in Christ. Because we are, we have a new affiliation. And this is what Jesus meant when he said to Simon Peter, you are Simon, the son of Jonas. You shall be called Cephas Stone, which is translated. Peter would have a radical change. He was the son of Jonas, yes. But he became a son of God by virtue of the new birth. Look what Peter ended up doing. Became a stone on the temple. We are not cement stones. We're flesh and blood. But we are we have a spiritual affiliation by being spiritually attached to the Lord Jesus and are part of his spiritual temple. 
You know this. It's clearly taught in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God, God calls us a household. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building, the spiritual temple, fitly framed together, grows unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It talks about unity. Paul used the phrase in, in whom twice, verse 21 and 22, showing one's affiliation with Christ, union. One can be in association with the church, City View Baptist Church, and we're thankful for that. But have no affiliation to Christ. Doesn't belong to Christ. And this is sad. And it happens right within the framework of the church. And that's why these messages, Brother Curtis, are very important. To come with them sometimes and lay aside Deuteronomy. Let me say something else about this passage briefly. If you are studying the Bible, you would get to learn very quickly that words, Brother Presley, are very important. In, the, in Bible study. The foundation of the apostles, prophets, and Jesus Christ all refer to the scriptures. It's, it's, an, it's a synonym for the word of God. The church is built on God's word and the Christian life ought to be built on God's word. Second, the church is a living organism and not an organization like the Rotary Club or the Masonic Lodge. The building fitly framed together grows. The spiritual temple keeps growing as believers are added, but there should not only be numerical growth, but spiritual growth in the lives of every Christian. Personal spiritual growth in those who are born of the Spirit. When Christian grows, there will be reproduction. Part of reproduction is church planting. It's a good endeavor. Missionary work is not designed for Brian and Marcel only. Would to God that he would raise up Tyler and Theophilus and, and your parents will let you go. Stop holding on to you. It's a wonderful thing to see growth. Believers added. It's personal spiritual growth. It also shows a function of one. The, the Peter text shows a function of those in affiliation Christ. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. That's a function. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Dead stones cannot offer 
spiritual sacrifices to God. They don't want to pray. They wouldn't pray. They may be dead stones because we offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable. As believers, we are given the office of priesthood. Priests represent their people to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We represent our people. It's an office that we gladly accept if we are saved. You understand that, um, Tyler, what I said just now? We offer sacrifices, pray to God's people, intercession for God's people. When it's time to pray, we ought to take this office seriously. I'm in a priesthood. I'm called to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable. As I represent my family and my church, we have a spiritual affiliation. Verse 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Book of Isaiah 28, verse 16. That's what it is contained. Behold, I lay in Zion. And notice where this stone is laid in Zion. In the church. Christ is laid in the church. Possibly you can't lay any other foundation. Christ is laid. The foundation of this ministry is Christ, not Brian Tate. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believe on him. Notice how Peter personifies the stone as a him, not a her, not Mary. On him, he that believe on him shall not be confounded. Isaiah says this, 28, 16. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, crucified, a precious stone, a sure foundation. He that believe shall not make haste. That's the Isaiah text, 28, 16. So brethren, the one who has become a child of God, a believer, a Christian, born again from above, has a spiritual appetite. Has a spiritual affiliation to Christ's body, the external body, the church. These people, like you know, you see one, you see them come as young man. You see him tonight. You see him today. You don't see him for next three Sundays. Um, don't ask these people anything. Don't ask them anything. The safe force medicine is not good for mad horse. Don't force medicine down a person that is dead. You're not going to get the, the medicine in their mouth. Let's pray, brethren. We have a spiritual affiliation to the body. We show that affiliation in tangible ways, living stones, new life, built upon a spiritual house. We offer spiritual sacrifices, preaching, teaching, praying, witnessing, 
all our spiritual sacrifices to God that the new creature does. Finally, we have a new affection. Verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone, Christ, which the builders disallowed, the workers in the church, me and you. Historically, it's talking about Old Testament Israel. But we are building. We are here building a church. The same is made the head of the corner. Jesus said, whoever falls on this stone shall be converted. But whoever this stone falls on, will he grind the powder. The apostle here lists two kind of people in the church. Unto you which believe he is precious. We have an affection for the Savior. We love him. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. Set your affection on things above. Not on the world, but on Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we would be made like him. Paul was careful to say, if, the, if a person is risen with Christ, their affections would be with him. You can certainly tell what is precious to some people. Some men treat their automobiles as, as something that dropped down from heaven. And they treat the Lord like sheer garbage. Some people treat their children like they are little gods. And treat the church as though it does not exist. We can tell what is precious to people. Mabel. You ought to tell what is precious to me. Just like how I ought to tell what is precious to you. You ought to know what I delight in. You know me for 30 years. And I ought to see what you delight in. I know you just as long. And therefore I'm qualified to preach to you. Don't treat your automobile like it is something precious. It is metal. A child of God has a new affection. Peter speaks of this affection in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. We have a new affection, brethren. Verse 8, Peter continues to show the relationship of an unbeliever in the church to Christ and a stone of stumbling 
and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The unbeliever, Christ is a stumbling stone. They stumble over him. He's there, but they walk over him. They trample on him. Peter takes this from the same Isaiah 28. The Jews stumble at Christ. They stumble. And as, as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, let their table be made a, stair, a snare. Let that which was made for their well-being, that they stumble and fall. And Christians can be like this, Christ. We can stumble at Christ. Peter is not addressing Jews in this letter. He's addressing the church where many stumble at, at the word. His cross is an offense. The people, many stumble at the cross. I'm not speaking about a cross, a, a pole, horizontal and vertical. I'm speaking about the life that the cross entails. That's the cross. The denial of self. The crucifixion of self and sin. That's the cross. People stumble at that. People love their sin. And thus they stumble. That's the cross I'm speaking about. I don't think I'm speaking about an, an emblem that some people wear around their neck. They wear it. Ask them, wait, man, they don't know. You know that the cross in the early days was an offense to, to the Jews and to the Roman, to the Romans. You know that you couldn't wear a cross. But now everybody wearing it. I see who it is with one yesterday. Where who, who was it? I said to him, You were in a cross. Where was it? I remember now. And he tried to stuff it down his saying. I said another word. I didn't say another word. Just, you were in a cross. But it used to be a terrible offense. But now it is a stumbling stone. Where his cross is an offense. Peter makes a contrast in reference to believers in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Notice he uses three synonyms to describe the believer, a generation. And by the way, this generation was going on since Pentecost. You ever pick up, you know, you pick up Matthew and you read, this is the generation of Jesus Christ. And then you see all of this genealogy, Brother Curtis. Generations speak of a generation of believers. Often quoted that verse. There is a generation that is pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. I just laugh when you think quoted that because I had it here in my notes already. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. In other words, of the kingly order, royal, and a nation. 
a holy nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the peculiar people. We are a people. All of these are people, living people, stones. He personalized the stones with these words, generation, priesthood, nation, people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Brother, there's a function for Christians here, which in time past were not a people. Think of, think of Ruth, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now, notice there's a past and there's a present. In time past, not a people, now people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Brethren, let's, let's be careful how we act. And this is what we are. And this is what we will manifest on the outside. Priests represent people to God. Priests show forth the Lord to others. We hold forth the word of life. So let me ask this hour in conclusion. The things that we shared were theological or academic. And, and we should know we should know what the Bible teach. They're fundamental, but, but they're pragmatic. Do you do you share these graces? What do you crave for mostly in this life? What what where's your appetite? You're gonna leave here tomorrow, you're gonna go do your normal thing. What is your appetite? What would be your appetite Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever? Steve Harvey? Well, Charlie, you better change that channel. <clears throat> Do you share these grips? Do you have an appetite? The inner man has a craving for something. A child of God has a spiritual appetite. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The one who is not a child of God has a different craving, a different appetite. It is hard for a person who has not come to believe in the Lord to sit under the word of God. Sometimes I am up here, and I see, I see, I see some children. Okay, maybe they come with a parent or with parents. They're just waiting for the benediction. They're just waiting. They're, they're under such stress, so much, you know. I, I really feel sorry for some of, especially the, the young people. I really feel sorry. I'm not calling no names, but I stay right there and say, well, I'm not finishing. I, I, have, I have half an hour more to go. So later for you. But how bad? I, I go to Trinity Baptist Church, and maybe some of you go to Louise at a public meeting, and you see the amount of children there, don't you? And you see that everyone got their notepad and their pencil. I mean, I don't know if they're Christians. A whole different atmosphere to we people. 
from the Caribbean. Is something wrong with us? Bending me with the cloth. No spiritual appetite. Loss. And some of you kids here that I love and grow, I'm going to love, you better watch it. You better watch it. Parents who love the word, training you in the word, and you pouting at the word, your day is coming. And I ain't afraid of you or your parents. No appetite. Appetite for the world, the gym, the playground, everything. But I can't memorize a verse. I used to stick them on my wall when I was young. And some of you I don't know that well. But I see. No appetite. Don't come and tell me how good the message was. I don't want to hear. Message is only as good as its application. I don't want to hear. So let me ask you, what does your inner man crave mostly? We can pray if we have no spiritual appetite. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And those wondrous things is Christ. Message is simple, profound, fundamental, but it is needful. Second, the believer has a spiritual affiliation with Christ. We don't dodge church attendance. We don't look for every snowflake to fall to say we ain't coming. We are affiliated with Christ. Some are affiliated with their alumni, their school chat. And that can be dangerous too. But what about the Christian church? On a school chat. What is your affiliation to the church? Do we offer spiritual sacrifices? Prayer? Fellowship? Some of us need to come out of the woodwork. Easy message to preach, but not to live. These are pertinent questions that determine if I have truly become a child of God. Lastly, where is my affection? Oh yes, I enjoy doing things in life. I, I, I like the open air. I like things like this. My wife is quite the opposite. She's a killjoy. The things I like, she, she don't like. So I don't know how the Lord lost to be together for 40 something years. You will tell me when I get home. But we're, we're different. I like the things I like, she don't like. I like to go and swim in the water. That poor time he don't go in the water. He's scared of the water. I don't know what's wrong with him. I come from the Caribbean, I'm scared of water. But I like things, I like to do things together with, you know, with, 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 with Marcel. But my affection, is with the, with the church, the people of God. 
I enjoy coming here. Even if I wasn't preaching, I will be here. We enjoy doing things, but our affection should be with the Lord. As the Apostle Paul said, a change from the inside would show a change on the outside. So may we continue to understand and appreciate the Word of God, brethren, that gives much light about what conversion is, what it is not. And if we find in this message, I'm not here to scare anybody or intimidate anybody, that these things I shared with you is not true you. The Lord's hand is not short. It is stretched out still. He said, but your iniquities have separated you from God that he will not hear. His hand is not short. It is stretched out still. And that means that you can call on him if these things are not true. Let's pray. Amen. Lord, when the preacher preaches, he preaches to many. But the same word comes back to him. Pointing at him. And may, him, may he be the one who is first to set an example with his appetite with his affiliation and with his affection. May others see and may be drawn to Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.